For many brands, the apex of branding is when your brand becomes the norm. What do I mean by that? Well, think of when you get a cut, you fall down, you scrape your knee, and you ask someone to grab you a what? A bandage? No. A sticky bandage? No. You ask for a band-aid. Many people without knowing have been directly impacted by the guest of today's podcast. Today on the Trendsetter CMO series, welcome on Bryant Eisen, the former CMO of Columbia Care and former marketing executive of Band-Aid, Clorox, and Johnson & Johnson. Today, Jake and Bryant have one of the most informative conversations I've heard in a long time, and I think you're going to see that value too. If you find any value in this conversation, do us a favor, leave a review, subscribe, and share with someone you think would also find value in this. Thank you guys for listening, and now to Bryant and Jake. Welcome back to another Trendsetters CMO podcast series. Today, I am joined by Bryant Eisen, the former CMO of Columbia Care, as well as a former marketing executive and some of everyone's favorite brands. Bryant, it's a pleasure to have you on. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Of course. Thanks, Jake. Great to great to be sitting here with you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest things that, that, that I look at, particularly when we're thinking about uh, some of the more commonplace brands, such as, you know, a PepsiCo, a Johnson & Johnson, Johnson & Johnson, some of those brands underneath it, of course, is what does innovation look like? And, you know, there's that constant analogy of the, the small boat that can turn real quickly and innovate and pivot, uh, as well as the large cruise ship where it's a little bit harder to do so. However, it's, it's, it's vital in today's market that those brands do so. I'd be curious to hear from you, you know, what are some things that, that firms like that, uh, of that magnitude and size, tend to do to really push innovation, and, and particularly when it comes to brand and marketing? Yeah, thanks, Jake. So let me just start by saying, like, we could probably have a full podcast on innovation. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I worked in, uh, been in innovation for, for a bit as well as in marketing, but, and I've seen it both from the standpoint of innovation, which has been done out of the brands, as well as separate groups within big organizations that are actually innovation groups. And so when I was at PepsiCo, it was the latter. So I was part of the global beverage innovation group where essentially you do, it's meant to be a bit more breakthrough innovation. What you're looking for is may or may not be brand agnostic. So meaning you're not going out and looking for the next big innovation for Pepsi, you're going out and looking for the next big innovation in beverages, right? And then if mm-hmm. and then figure out kind of how it fits into the brands. Or, you know, when I was on Band-Aid, you you a lot of the innovation came out of the brand. So as the as the kind of the 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 P&L owner for Band-Aid, 
it was my role to really kind of keep that brand healthy and driving. And so we would kind of do new things like new shapes or new characters, that sort of thing. But there is, so I would say that the role of animation is like really twofold. Like one is, is um, a creative growth. So a reason for the, you know, to, for consumers to kind of come back to the brand and, and get excited about it. But there's also another one, I think that that's a little bit, um, you know, not talked about a whole lot, which is the retailer side of things. If you talk to, if you're working with like retailers like Walmart or Target of the world, they see brands as, you know, doing one thing, which is like bringing you, bringing your users into their store. So if you're not innovating, then they'll just knock off your product as a private label. And they'll say like, we don't need you anymore. And in fact, you see that that's happened on a lot of brands that have been a little bit like stale on innovation. You know, essentially like they, you know, Walmart or Target will knock off their products, you know, from a private label standpoint, because you're really not bringing anything new to the, to the retailer. Like if it's, if, if you're not, if, if there's no, you're not advertising, you're not bringing new people in, if there's no new products, they're like, you know what, if people need a Band-Aid, they're just going to go to the shelf and they're going to, yeah. and they'll pick what they'll pick the cheapest one. And they're right. And so, so I think that the, it, it's as much of a consumer kind of benefit as well as a retailer driving on why a lot of those big organizations innovate. Now, if you're a small company, you're innovating because that's all you got, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you're trying to find like that crack in the marketplace that can um, allow you to exist and uh, in ways that like the, the big guys can't, can't compete. Yeah, certainly. And that's honestly, that's an approach that I haven't even thought about and is the retailer side of things. But I guess it makes a lot of sense. You know, if, if you're not innovating, why should a retailer keep you? And I think the specific example you brought up with Band-Aid, what I always think about with, with the, you know, with the brand like that, when you think about Kleenex, when you think about now, I would even throw Zoom into that category where it's it's not let's jump on a live video call. It's let's jump on a Zoom. You know, Nike's a little bit like uh, there's there's some interesting brand fits that tend to define the product. And I think Band-Aid has, has obviously established itself as that. From a marketing perspective, how, what does that change things? Does that create some kind of you know gray areas? How do we distinguish our brand from others? I'm curious to hear your thoughts and approach on on, on just that. Well, I have to say, like, I, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? So the nice thing about yeah. it is that you don't have to you know, if, if you're, so let's use Band-Aid as an example. So there's another, another brand of bandage called Nexcare, right? We, yeah. they, which is owned by 3M. They're, they have really good bandages, to be honest. They're easier to use. Uh, they have great shapes. You know, they don't get as good of, of uh, character licenses as Band-Aids, but they, they do, they do pretty well. The, the challenge is, is that like, you know, when you walk in the store, if you're, if you're not somebody who thinks about bandages all day, which most of us aren't, yeah. like, you just go and you're like, I don't know, like I need, I need a bandaid. Like, and so you just net, that is like your first decision, which is like, is it bandaid brand or is yeah. it anything else? Right. Yeah. And that's where you, that's your start. So that's like the good news, right? So you like, you don't have to, and as a result, a lot of what a lot of these companies have done is they've actually whittled back their advertising because they're, you know, they're, they figure like we have so much goodwill. We mean so much in the marketplace that, we don't need to kind of drive awareness because every awareness of band aids like ninety eight percent. Yeah. The challenge is, is that like you're just it's not it's it's uh when you're kind of at that critical kind of decision point where you're in you're right in front of the shelf and you're like it could be band aid or anything else. 
unless you have a really good point of differentiation or, or a reason that people should do that besides the warm fuzzies that you get from having band-aids as a kid, it's, you know, it's just not enough anymore. You'll look at it and you'll be like, oh yeah, I love band-aid. I'll start there. Oh, wait a minute. Like there are fabric bandages as well that are private label that are like half the price. Well, I mean, I like band-aid, but this, this is, you know, this does just as well. So I think what that, like that generic recognition gets you is it gets you that first pass. Yeah. But what it, but it, it but that's the, the double-edged sword thing, because I think bigger organizations, they feel like they don't need to invest. And so like, because they got the first pass, but what you don't have is you don't have that, what, um, you know, what, what Google calls the zero moment of truth, right? Which is like that moment where it's like, this is half the price of this. Yeah. How, how much more worth it is it? You know, I think we've all kind of had that experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's incredible insight. And I, I something I always think about um, within that is, you know, what are brands on the horizon that are going to be jumping into that realm? And, but, but it does bring up that double edged sword. Now, a industry that I would say is opposite. So if, if all of bandages, if Band-Aid comprises, you know, 98% brand awareness within that, and that's going to be the primary leader, I think cannabis would be the complete opposite. Whereas we have the entire industry of cannabis and we have very few distinguished brands that are owning it. And the analogy I always give to this is think about alcohol for a second. Could you imagine, can you imagine saying the phrase, Hey, could you like, you want to go have some alcohol tonight? You know, it's like, you know, you know, let's grab a Bud Light, let's grab a whatever, let's grab, you know, and then you specify which specific one, which in cannabis, there's obviously different products and such. So I think, uh, you know, cannabis is an interesting point. Obviously, you have a background um, in that arena. I'm curious to hear your thoughts as to what the future of branding uh, when it comes to cannabis is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it needs to happen. I think the industry is not quite there yet. I think that, um, because I think when, when you say cannabis, to your point, it's like you're encompassing not only alcohol, but bars. So think about that yeah. for a second. You know, like, because it's like cannabis means the retailer, the manufacturer, and the cultivator, right? And yeah. so none of those, they could be the same company. They could be different companies. But I think that the, the challenge is, is that like, um, because the regulatory framework is so patchworked right now that in say New York state where I live, it's required by law that you you're vertically integrated, that you have, uh, the cultivation, the manufacturing and the retail operation, and that you own the entire, the entire piece of it in California, of course, they've broken that all apart. So you can have different licenses for retailing a different license for cultivation and manufacturing. Right. So, mm -hmm. That, I think that that's one of the, the, the first cuts that makes it really different because if when you think about a, um, a, a company in New York, you know, I'll use my, the, the company I used to work for, which is Columbia Care. The Columbia Care is the name of the, cup, the corporation. It's the name of the retailer. It's also the name of the product and the brand. And so it's like, it's just all kind of mixed in together. And, you know, and, and, and the opposite you have in, in California where you have, small brands but like you know they don't because the the distribution network is is so patchworked how do you kind of really build it in a way that that you can you can walk into your regular kind of dispensary and find that find that whether you're in san francisco or la the other thing i found it's interesting maybe that in and i'll just make this quick but like 
yeah. you know, I had the opportunity to, to, to go to California for probably like, you know, three, every three months for a year. Right. Yeah. And so I would go into the same kind of med men doing my competitive oh, yeah. shopping. The one, the one on Abbott Kinney, it's a very small store, but the, the most interesting thing I found is that every time I went in the entire brand assortment was different. So if you had a brand that you liked condescent or, you know, I don't know, like pick, pick another, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with like one, right. Yeah. Um, the smokes. Brand, they're also a retailer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Essentially yeah. that they, they had their own brand, but most likely they, they didn't, they didn't have the same brand that I bought three months ago. Yeah. So it's, you're like, how do I, like, how do you build a brand or build when, when I can't find the same brand every single time? It's like the analogy is if you use like, if you really like Oreos and you go to the grocery store and they don't have Oreos, you're, it's not like you're not going to buy a cookie. Yeah. You just, yeah. you just switch. You're like, all right, well, whatever, I'll get a different cookie. And if you, and if it happens enough, you just forget about Oreos. And so that yeah. as a brand just doesn't exist anymore. That's the challenge I think cannabis has right now is it, it's a, it's a, it's a regulatory challenge. Even in areas where the regulation is like California is a little bit better, it's it's just there's too much churn, way too many kind of new brands coming into space. They're not able to kind of manage the kind of distribution um, you know, consistently enough. And so as a result, like as a consumer, you're confused. You don't know what these brands are. You, you don't you maybe you try them once, but that next time you go like there's different brands and they're not talking to you none of these brands are talking to people. And so it, it, it doesn't really mean anything, you know, like, uh, you know, unless you're kind of really, unless you're a really strong pothead, you know, and you really yeah. love a specific kind of, you know, brand, you know, but uh, other than that, it becomes, it becomes really hard to kind of occupy a space in somebody's mind, you know, that I am the natural one or I am the high quality one. It's just, I don't know, like, yeah. I, you know, I just, I just, I'll just buy whatever is like, has the highest THC content for the cheapest price. Yeah, it truly is the wild west. And it's something that, you know, you can attest to, uh, you know, at a consumer level, just with everyone, because the reality is outside of that very distinct few that's passionate about that, the, the far majority of us, even if we are consuming, you know, cannabis in states where it might be legal, you know, we don't really are, we're not buying the same because it's the brands and such. We, we There's not as much brand loyalty there. Um, nope. And so it is the Wild West, and I think it does have certainly some growing up to do. Now, speaking of growing up to do, a lot of our listeners are between, you know, 20 to 27. They're getting a career started in marketing and advertising, uh, business entrepreneurship, some of, some of those arenas. And obviously, you, you've, you've led uh, a lot of teams in the past, and obviously, you've always been in kind of management leadership roles. Um, so, I, you know, I think... What I'd be curious to hear from you is what are some of those skill sets of of team members, of individuals that might be at a, at a junior level below yourself or however the organization is set up uh, that that really stick out to you as a leader in terms of their you know future career progression or their ability to consult and support? Because, you know, the reality is a lot of us younger individuals, we're not going to get we're not going to jump to that CMO role overnight. Uh, it's going to take a couple decades, right? And so, you know, maybe we are trying to get there. So, you know, what's your advice and insight in terms of the skill sets that they should be developing now? Um, you know, I think that uh, there's, I think that the like the early part of your career, like what 
like what your manager is looking for, they're looking for a doer. They're looking for someone who can understand, who, who has a strategic kind of mind. But at the end of the day, I just need you to, to do something. I need, you know, I, need to, I need to get something done. And it's like, um, and I think that that's, that's always been, you know, super critical is that like, when you're, when you're, sometimes when you're at a, a high level, you don't have as much time to kind of explain all of the, you know, like all do this exactly. So you want to, so you want to have somebody who understands the strategically the gist of what, what needs to be done. Somebody who can ask enough questions to, to, to kind of clarify, like, this is the, do you, do you mean this? Do you mean this? But then at the end of the day, just goes and, and actually kind of moves the ball down the, down the field. Yeah. Um, and I think that like, you know, we, when I was at J and J, we used to call it like, you know, bias for action. You know, it's like your bias is to do stuff. And I think that especially in, a, in an entrepreneurial environment or even in a, in a fortune 500 environment, like that's what, that's, that's really kind of what sets you apart is that if you're able to kind of like, if I can give you a little bit of direction and that you can progress this further than, than, than I had expected, that's amazing that you're, you're someone who I, who I really, you know, would, would give a lot of attention to. I think also somebody who takes like personal initiative, yeah. you know, and it goes back to that whole thing of like, if you don't know, if you don't know what you're supposed to do, then like, just put something together and say like, it's, and go back to your manager and say, is it this or is it this? I had yeah. some thinking and, and I think that within five minutes, they'll be able to say like a little bit of both and then reset you on a new direction. But if you're, if, if you kind of are waiting for your manager to tell you what to do the entire time, that, you know, that's for a lot of very, for, for a lot of uh, senior marketers, it's like, I don't, I just don't have the time to kind of sit down and do it. And, or worst case that would happen, Jake, is, is like, if it's, t if it takes me longer to explain it to you and, and for you to do it, than for me to do it, I'm not going to have you do it. And that robs you of the opportunity to do it. And it also kind of, it, you, you gradually sideline yourself, but mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, like that bias for action, you know, taking initiative and then having a little, like a sprinkle of like strategy. So that you understand kind of how, what your piece, how that fits into the bigger, the bigger whole. Yeah, that's incredible advice. And, you know, us being an agency with only Gen Z individuals, that's obviously a big question mark. So I hope, I uh, hope the team is listening to this one because you know, for us internally, something that we've had to really establish and implement is ownership. That's what we call it. Uh, you know, yep. our our clients, you need to own that brand, the success of it and the failure of it if it messes up. And you need to own all the details in it. And like like you said, you know, if I'm you know providing a client brief internally and hey, here's what's going to happen with the project, the amount of if it take like I need to be able to just give you a one liner let you understand kind of the full strategy or at least kind of scope it out and then let you run with it. And I think something that's important that, um, you know, there's no right answer in marketing, in advertising. And I think, you know, part of whether it's the education system or whether it's just growing up, I, I think there's this notion that it's like that manager employee relationship, they're looking for the right answer from something. But the reality is we're dealing with consumers. You know, there is no right answer. There, like mm -hmm. that font type. Yeah, we could certainly argue about why why that font type is going to be best in this particular display on the copy. But at the end of the day, the consumer is going to dictate that. We're, we're not going to know that yet. So uh, particularly when we have a lack of data. 
So, you know, what are some, what are some of those hurdles that you think, you know, people have to get over? Is it that sense of, hey, there is no right answer or, hey, I need to, you know, develop my background and strategy? Are there any like foundational principles or like hurdles that you think have to be overcome to take that next step? So it's funny you mention this, Jay, because I actually have a 20-year-old son who's Gen Z, and you know he's like my yeah. personal focus group. Yeah, he's kind of, you know, he, if he's listening to this, he's gonna like be cringing right now. But you know, one of the things that um, that I that I think is mo- most important in in what you just said is listening, because you know it's not like if you're there are some people who have a natural ability for strategy there are some people who have a natural kind of like ability to kind of like have to understand creative and that sort of thing but i think that like what i've found is like somebody who is a phenomenal listener and not only can kind of like hear what you're saying or what the consumer is saying but reflect it back and read and translate it for other people that is worth its weight in gold I mean, you as an agency owner, like probably kind of could put your finger on this as well, which is like, if you go to a client and they say like, this is what I need. And then you go back with your team and everyone kind of heard something different. That's messed up, man. And that's not helpful to you because you don't want to have to go back to that client and be like, uh, so like, eh, like which, what's, what's the problem we're trying to solve. So in that meeting, that you have with the client, like you're probably kind of employing a number of like active listening techniques, which is like, Mm -hmm. you're reflecting back, like, okay, so here's what I'm hearing. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, this is like, or like if I come back on Tuesday with this, would that kind of deliver what you're looking for? Because, and I think that like a lot of times people early on in their career, they, they sometimes kind of think that they heard it and they don't take that extra step to confirm it. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, you know, either when you come back, it's a little bit off the mark or it's, you know, it's, you have to, you, there's a lot of back and forth and it gets back to this, that whole thing of like, come on guys, I don't have the time to kind of go back three or four times on this. Um, but I think that's a big one. I think that the, and the listening kind of encompasses once again, like the, the consumer people who are really good consumer behavior um, uh, folks are yeah. a, in phenomenal listeners and observers and they can kind of look, they can watch people and pick up things that, um, you know, if, unless you're paying attention, you just don't see. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest difficulties is that marketing is, there's certainly unique terminologies. It's also very subjective. And sometimes, like you said, with the translation, sometimes the client says this, what that translates to, if you're in marketing, is actually this. But we actually heard this and we're all the way over here. And so we're going to, you know, so how do you translate those? But yeah, I think across the board, more listening and more communication is always best. Um, And some of those techniques as well, I know work. Now, um, obviously, you know, speaking about younger team members, a lot are, you know, they provide that, that, that sense of what is to come, what is the future and some of these new platforms that are rising or some of these consumer behaviors transparency, authenticity, which we could argue has been around forever. Maybe it's now just a necessity. You know, what are some things, whether it's behavior characteristics, platforms, trends, what are some things that you see among the horizon from a broad, you know, paintbrush of the marketing landscape that you're kind of curious to explore or looking into? Yeah, I mean, you know, 
it's like I said, I have a, I have a unique window on this because of my son. And, yeah. you know, and I think that the, one of the things that's been a hallmark of, of uh, Gen Z is that um, they were raised by Gen X. Yes. And, um, you know, and I think that like myself being a Gen Xer, uh, you know, like you just, you, you just don't expect a whole lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and maybe that's like, and I know I'm, I'm generalizing. I know everyone can kind of poke holes in everything I'm saying right now. But, oh, yeah. the, but, the, but the point is, is that like, you know, like I don't really, ex I, I don't expect a whole lot. And when, you know, when crises have come through, like we lived, you know, like we've lived through like September 11th, we've lived through the Gulf Wars, you know, and, you know, at the end of the day, like it's this idea of change and transformation. It's just kind of endemic. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's it's really hard, and I know right now in this time period, I think that is probably the most disruptive that most of us will feel in our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that, you know, I think for Gen Z, I know that there are so many question marks for a lot of the folks kind of who are probably listening right now about like, well, what is, what does the future look like? And I think that, um, you know, that I think that's going to be the hallmark of 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 your generation, which is like, there, there is no plan. You know, my my son and I kind of talk about that a lot. He's like, "What am I supposed to do next?" And I'm like, "Welcome to the club, man. This is <laughs> I don't know what to do next either. Like, none of us really do. That's it's the it's the great secret revealed. But I think that uh, COVID has really kind of a, pulled back the curtain on that for a lot of people. There's not a there's not a set path. And I think if anything, it's going to amplify the pieces of your generation which have already been bubbling, you know, for some time. Which is, you know. Um, you know, you don't take no for an answer. You know, I met, to, just yeah. to kind of a, a really quick uh, anecdote, like my son, my son and I are watching this this uh, this show on Netflix, The Get Down, a long time ago. I'm not sure if you remember that show. It was it was about the origins of hip hop in New York. Yeah, Get yeah. Down. Um, and in there, there was a guy who had like a like a Jackie Chan kind of like belt buckle. And my son was like, "Hey, like I really want one of those belt buckles." I was like, "Okay, well, go online and see if you can find one." Couldn't find one. We, you know, live in New York. And so he kind of like went all around New York looking for and couldn't find one. So he had one made. So at any, at any one of those points, I yeah. probably would have thrown it, thrown in the towel. I'd been like, well, it's not online. Oops. You know, big deal. Or gone, gone around New York and been like, I can't really find it. But he was like, I want this thing. And it's like, you know, it's not enough to just kind of throw in the towel. And so like, there is that sense of, I think from um, the Gen Z kind of, uh, you know, uh participants that like it's like i don't i make my own kind of like fun or i make my own yeah. path and i think that that's always been this this covid thing i think is 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 putting a lot of uncertainty but i i think i think that it's a lot of those things that are just kind of already there are going to be amplified to the max you know because you guys are going to be able to look and say like i don't get it the path is no longer clear i don't even know if colleges are going to be open in in the fall so what else do I do? So I'll just figure something else out, you know? And I think that's, that's going to be an interest. It's going to be an interesting kind of like, you know, nugget that's going to, I think it's going to really yeah. develop in, in the coming you know months and weeks. Yeah. And, and truly we are living through, you know, one of the, one of the first, um, one of the first Gen Z like major catastrophes as you would describe it. Um, you know, oh, wait, a little bit, but most of us were elementary school or some hadn't even been born or maybe they were born. 
Uh, so, you know, someone affects you, but only subconsciously. Now this is actually existing in, in our conscious. So, but yeah, I think uh, all of our insights actually as an agency do point to that fact. What we always say is Gen Z, you know, they, they refuse to settle. Like if, it, you know, they're that annoying 12 year old that uh, if it's always been done this way, they go, well, why? And they just keep yeah. asking why and why and why. And if you can't provide that to them, they're just not going to purchase at all. And so, you know, it's a wildly, uh, wildly. Or, or they'll start their own company. Oh, exactly. And that's, yeah. that, and that's easy. It's like, it's like, you see that in food and beverage all the time. It's like, well, I want like blah, like whatever it is. I want, I want a, a delicious drink. That's not like 250 calories, but I don't want it to taste like water. Like, yeah. boom, like that's not, doesn't exist. Well, you know what? I'll go, I'll just go make it. Like, I don't know. Like what, how, how hard is that? And that's yeah. great. I think that energy is something that I think a lot of us Xers like really respect. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, I think it's going to be, you know, like it's going to bode everyone well. The one thing I would add though, on this whole crisis thing, if I could get just a little non sequitur for a sec, sure, is yeah. I, I, I was talking with my mom about this because if you think about it, man, like, you know, this level of uncertainty, it's, it stinks. And I can't, I don't have any reference point for in, in my life for something like this. But if you think about for a second, like the two world wars yeah. that like your grandparents had to go through and it's like, and there's nothing kind of like, there's no roadmap for, for that. I think that the, it gives me comfort to know that people have been through this before. And in fact, people who we can talk to now Yeah. and, and really kind of like, and it might be an interesting thing to kind of go back and like mine some of the you know some of those you know hear some of those stories about like well what did you do what did you think when you came back from you know the war like yeah. and i'm sure that it's like a very much a very much like a, i had no idea and it's like but we figured it out you know there i think there's some really interesting parallels that you pull from yeah it, it's so interesting that oftentimes the best indicator of the future is the past and uh, sometimes the best way to to look ahead is to actually look backwards. And 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 on that note, you know, you mentioned there is no exact plan for this. We're kind of all in this together. But, you know, Gen Z got a lot of energy. They got a lot of action, not always throwing it towards the right, uh, you know, locations. But <clears throat> most of our podcast listeners here, they're going to be uh, looking to provide some action here. So is there one thing in particular you would advise listeners to jump on, whether it's you know, starting a YouTube show, researching this, starting to do this, doing free work for companies, anything in particular? Um, well, all of those you mentioned are, are great, but I think that like, I, I think that there's, there's an inordinate amount of free stuff out there now, you know, that people are offering up. I don't know if you, if your listeners are familiar with general assembly, which is um, they do, you know, they do marketing courses. In fact, it's, it's kind oh, yeah. of like, it's, it's well known in New York, but, they're doing free Fridays. So you can take like a digital, uh, you know, a digital marketing class, a social media class uh, or seminar for Friday for free and for free. And it's, and that's like insane. Like the, you know, cause that's like for, to take a, like a digital marketing class, you know, legit, it's like four grand. Yeah. So there, so I would look at that. I, I think the other thing too is anything delivery related if you're going to, if I were kind of looking at something or, you know, like, like in, like in cannabis, for example, like, you know, it's disrupted 
this whole notion that you need to go to a dispensary and show your ID and get in. It's like this whole, this whole point of like, now, you know, the gatekeeper of the dispensary is gone. So if you have a, if you're able to kind of figure out logistics and delivery, that's amazing because that's, that's where people are going to be for a bit. Um, I think also like I would look very seriously at businesses and concerns that, that people could do from their own home, like, you know, tele telehealth, I think is, is seeing a, a tremendous upsurge right now, just, you know, from necessity, but trends like that don't go away. You know, once yeah. you've kind of gotten over the hurdle of like having a, you know, having your doctor look at your elbow online, you know, like I hate going to the doctor. So if I could do it over, if I could do it over a zoom call or whatnot, I would totally do that. Um, I think the, uh, I think the challenge with a lot of the, a lot of the, the content creation right now is that you just have so much of it. Mm-hmm. that it's it's i think it's a uh, it's getting harder and harder to distinguish yourself in yeah. terms of you know but i think that um you know if there's ways for folks to band together almost to create like a, a, a consortium where you 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 know think about it as like your own wu-tang you know what i mean where you have like all of these different kind of creators but you have like one brand underneath it and then you collectively you kind of mine each one of your, you know, um, respective kind of networks to drive awareness behind it. I just think, I think th- things like that, like really unique and innovative approaches, like are going to, are going to really win the day here. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I think that I think all the things you had mentioned as well, I think um, one thing I think is going to be for sure is I think education is going to be significantly disrupted mm-hmm. and not in the way I think that a lot of people think. I think that a lot of people are like, yeah, everything's going to move online. I don't believe that at all. I don't, you know, I think that if anything, I think, I think everyone's kind of now getting online fatigue, you know, especially, you know, like college students right now, they're just like, forget it. I just want to, you know, I just want to be able to like go to class. But what you could do is you could actually, you know, what it's, I think what it's going to do is it's going to allow you to do like a study abroad but then still take classes at your home university, for example. Mm-hmm. So you actually can kind of put, like mix and match it in a way that you've never, you've never really thought that you could before, because it's going to take away, you know, the whole stigma of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, change is inevitable. And I think uh, education is one of those that if you were to drop an alien down and, and say, Hey, here's how we do things. And here's how we educate our, our, you know, arguably the most important part of developing human beings uh, we might have some adjustments. So it'll be wild to see the changes there. And uh, again, guys, there's no wrong answer on the action we take as long as we do take action. Brian, again, it was a pleasure to have you on and I appreciate you having the podcast. Everyone, be sure to leave a review down below um, of your biggest takeaway. Screenshot that, share it to your Instagram story and we'll Venmo one of you $100 cash money to order you know, maybe some cannabis if you're in a state where it's legal or some <laughs> or to uh, or to pay your college tuition. So anyhow, we'll talk soon and I'll see you guys next time.